1: look around you can find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait
2: auto trader
3: welcome to the megan kelly show your home for open honest and provocative conversations megan kelly welcome to the megan kelly show today we have a fascinating guest for you the podfather adam curry is back on with us this time for the full show and we are psyched about it adam's an internet entrepreneur former MTV VJ, podcasting pioneer i mean truly pioneer uh, and co-host of the informative and hilarious no agenda podcast. No agenda whatsoever. He's the reason you're able to listen to this show right now, in large part, and also why you were addicted to music videos. And he says Skittles in the 1980s and maybe to this day. He has lived an incredible life so far, and we are going to get into all of it. Welcome back to the show, Adam. Great to have you.
1: Hey, Megan. So good. So good to be here.
3: You know, it's funny because um, in getting ready for this, our longer interview, I was actually going back. I was looking at old interviews you did and so on. And I don't know how I forgot about the hair. I don't know how I forgot <laughs> about the huge. I don't know. I know you describe it as a mullet. I think that's a little too ungenerous. It was just like 80s rocker hair.
1: Well, there. OK. The First of all, if I ever write a book, it will be you know held hostage by my hair because I truly was just a hostage to that thing. So the whole concept uh, when I uh, uh, went to MTV just a little bit before I went to MTV was what Merv Griffin always says: people with big heads are very successful on television.
3: Big head, little <laughs> body. I okay. heard
1: this. This is a small. Now that's more mullet than anything. Um, but uh, you know, I don't have a big head, and at the time it was you know 80s, so. Started hard to grow the hair, but I have really soft, kind of flaccid, Mona Lisa-like hair when it's wet, yeah, I've never
3: heard a man willingly use the word flaccid to describe himself. Shows
1: uh, your confidence. Yeah, it takes a real man, Megan. It takes a real <laughs> man. Um, and uh, so I had, you know, it would take me 30 minutes. Actually, my ex-wife at the time, she would do that. I'd, I, she would, I would wash my hair. She'd blow dry it. She'd tease it. she put all the Aquanet in there, or maybe at Aquanet. the time also studio, 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 st- st- studio. Um, and what was the biggest problem is if I went on location somewhere and, and I didn't have anyone to help me with my hair, I would literally have to sleep very still in the bed. I have to take a shower, kind of avoiding any water streams. <laughs> it was horrendous. So when I finally, you know, figured it out that, you know, this was a, uh, a captive situation, I cut it off, <laughs> but up until the big hair. There were a few moments there, like the one you showed with Tina Turner, where I think it was borderline mullet.
3: I think the the Tina Turner shot did look a little mullety. But the one I'm thinking about (laughs) is you on the plane with all the the bands going to Moscow is like Ozzy Osbourne, Skid Row, Bon Jovi. I actually think we have a clip. We pulled a clip of you talking to Oz. Oh, no, let's let's do the one with of him. Um, Yeah. Okay. Wait. I'm trying to see because we pulled a bunch of them. I want to see the one that best captures the hair. Let's just do let's just do the one with Ozzy because that's interesting. And it's all right too. a bite too. Let's play it.
2: Headbangers ball continues from the magic bus on our way to the Soviet <laughs> Union. And no strangers to the ball, of course, Ozzy and Zach. Guys, good to have you aboard. Well, are we aboard? It's like a it's like a flying madhouse. Are we actually flying? Is the question. I haven't checked recently. I mean, I don't know what what the pilot's doing up there, but it's plane's on autopilot. I hope it's on automatic pilot because I have no humans are. I thought you were flying it. Um, oh, I think I was at one point.
3: See, you were in good state. Yeah. Everybody had hair like that.
1: Yeah. First of all, the uh, the height of my journalistic career. There, obviously, <laughs> these questions riveting. Yeah, but that was that was the thing. Everybody, everybody had the hair and everyone started to go a little shorter after that. And it was just part of what it was. That was the vibe. And of course, it's fun to look at it now. uh, But man, even though it was it was painful all those years, I am so happy. And please note, 57 still have hair. Very, very pleased with the hair. It looks
3: good. It looks good, too. It looks like your own.
1: It, it 100% my own.
3: <laughs> That's impressive. You know, I loved the clip because um, it starts off. If you watch the whole thing, it's on YouTube and people can do it um, with you interviewing the guys from. I think it was Skid Row. And, mm-hmm, um, correct. I knew the one guy from Gilmore Girls. Are you aware he uh, went on to act in Gilmore Girls? I'm pretty sure they got the. He was very beautiful. He had very long blonde hair, and are I'm you talking pretty about David? sure is David that his name? Yeah, he. he no. I think he went on to star in Gilmore. Well, mm-hmm.
1: David Sutcliffe, who is actually a friend, he was Rory on uh, Rory's dad on the Gilmore Girls. Why do I know these things? Wait, um, no, Rory's I, dad I was. I...
3: Oh yeah, 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 yes, yes, you're right. But so, there's a different guy who came and joined Rory's best uh, no. friend's band.
1: Uh, oh no, that was Sebastian. Sebastian Bach uh, joined the band
3: okay. in the series. Okay. Yeah. And what, what, what was he from? Which band was he in?
1: He's from Skid Row. He's the lead okay, singer. Okay, so I'm right. Uh, yeah, but he but he was in there as... You're right. Yeah, okay. Now, I was a little confused when you said that, because I happen to know David Sutcliffe. Um, but yeah, it was Sebastian Bach, who then was in the band in... Uh, in Gu- Why do I know okay. this, Megan? That was our <laughs> lockdown series. We watched the whole... I'd never watched it. It would never appeal to me. My wife said, come on, let's watch it. You'll like it. And I loved it. In fact, it's I loved it fun. so much, we kind of moved to Star Hollow. Out in the Texas Hill Country.
3: (laughs) So I got pulled into it because um, my daughter was sort of looking for a show and I didn't know if it was going to be appropriate for her. So I kind of gave it a look see first an episode or two and it seemed totally wholesome. And um, we watched it together. It was such a nice experience. And then uh, now I know a lot of moms who watch this show and dads, too, with their daughters. It's just sort of a nice I don't know. It's not totally wholesome, but mostly.
1: What did you think about the, the 10 years later the the, the short series they did after that when they're all older,
3: I enjoyed that too, just because if you're a fan of the show, you know, and I like the fact that it went back to the original writer and show creator and she got her final Mm -hmm. say on her characters, you know, who were sort of taken away from her in the last season, but there's always something a little sad about seeing them older and fatter.
1: Yeah. And that's Uh. like with sex in the city, I have to admit, uh, we've been following that. It's, uh, it's kind of jarring. It's not at all what <laughs> what you thought it was. I frankly, I don't think people like that that much yeah. in general.
3: You don't really want to the be reboots. reminded of if they're aging. That must mean you're aging. And if they don't yeah, exactly. look quite as, exactly, and must that's mean why whenever don't.
1: they say, "Hey, Adam, come do the the '80s cruise," you know, we'll pay you handsomely. You get to go on the cruise ship. I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> no, that's pathetic. I don't want. You know, I love celebrating what we did, but I'm not going to sit there and talk about you know. Oh, the great times at MTV. No, we have to move on a little bit.
3: Yeah. Well, you know what else? It's like we Gen Xers need to live in the present because they need us now more than ever. We are so important to fighting the cultural battles that are going on right now. We're the ones who remember yes. when it was normal and who have the spines to fight back.
1: Yes. And um, yeah, I'm actually a boomer adjacent. I'm from 1964. <laughs> uh, so we are the gen I, I identify with gen X, but I recently learned that I can classify my, classify myself as, um, uh, a doomer optimist,
3: a doomer optimist. You are right between, right? Cause like my mom's mm-hmm. generation is the true boomer. She was born in 41. I was born in 70. So I'm a true gen Xer and that's that sixties group. That's my brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that?
1: Well, we don't really fit in anywhere. Um, you know, we, we were probably waking up in the middle of the night, woken up in the middle of the night to see uh, the moon landing and didn't really understand yeah. much. And, uh, but we were, we came into a country that had just had the assassination of JFK. So it was, it was a very, very weird time. And I think probably a, a lot of kids, uh, my age in that, that, you know, mid to late sixties probably, uh, had very stressful parents, stressed out parents at the time. Mm-hmm
3: hmm. Right. Because that was truly when women understood they could, quote, have it all, and, which meant you have to do all the home care that you used to do. Plus, you have to work outside of the home full time and then say it's easy and you're nailing it and get no help from anybody.
1: Well, that's interesting you say that. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. it was also the time when moms hotboxed you in the car with their cigarettes that's what I remember the most.
3: Totally. If moms and dads, my dad had a VW bug, <laughs> a black VW bug, which by the way, we drove from Syracuse to Orlando, Florida when I was 10. And, um, he and she both smoked with the three of us in there the entire way. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep. I'll never see 60. <laughs>
1: uh, don't say that. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been a lifelong smoker. I have, you know, cut back pretty much all together on the tobacco except when I mix it in with something else. But I think that, you know, I was really, my mom smoked when she was pregnant with me is, uh, mine too. Quite. Uh, yeah. yeah. But she says, so Oh, but never smoked? in the
3: first trimester. I'm like, what, what sense is
1: happening? <laughs> Thanks mom. <laughs> <laughs> was that like, the advice then from the Fauci at the time?
3: <laughs> exactly. There's a picture of my mom when she's pregnant with my brother or sister, they were born in 64 and 65. Um, with like a martini kind of resting on her pregnant belly, I'm like
1: mm. oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> it defines us, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, we go through these cycles where we're just hyper about don't do this and don't do this, and I wonder if we're going to relax a little after this crazy COVID mania for two years. Like, just relax a little, like moderation.
1: Well, no. <laughs> not. I, don't think that's, I don't think that's in the cards because we need to have a, a few more crises. We can't leave this crisis state alone. It, it's too compelling. It works too well for too many uh, different um, groups, certainly industries. I mean, it, it's just, it's a beautiful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you can just keep the crisis going right now, I think we've shifted a bit to the testing crisis and you see it. I see it around me. You probably see it in New York. Um, even even people who are very rational and understand Omicron maybe not being as uh, as severe of course there's exceptions. I'm no doctor. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, but still, they've gotten hyped up and all jacked about. I need a test. I need. A t- I need. A- I just have to. Have- I gotta have tests at home. It's kind of. Like, it's almost like paper towels now, you know. And that incentivizes the government to uh, go buy tests. I think we just spent uh, 179 million dollars on tests. Uh, that we 're apparently giving to schools and uh, every school, every child gets a test to take home every night. people have mm-hmm. to work can 't get them it's you know, it feels a little artificial and certainly something that could have been avoided
3: We do love crisis, we love drama. I cannot believe the number of people who. Are leaning into drama and crisis and seem to need it like you know the addiction to a drug. I mean, I I knew of them prior to this. I remember looking around, being like, "Would you settle?" Just as Hemmer used to say, my pal on Fox, "Sim the mer." <laughs> it's just sim the mur. Um And I was never one of those people. And it I think it actually helped me in the news business because I never really, you know, there'd be terrible, terrible things where you'd really get stressed out, like the Newtown tragedy, right? But for me, it took that level to really, you know, kind of stress me out or make me not be able to let go of the news cycle. These people, I mean, the insanity coming out of New York City every day, Adam, you know, I talked about this the other day, but like my friends there send me these texts every day. These moms who won't let their kids ride in the car of another mom unless the other mom swears that she'll put all of the windows down and everyone inside that car will be masked. Well, they're driving around three year olds. Yeah. It's like oh, you've got to mm-hmm. be kidding me. Your kid's gonna be fine. Calm down.
1: <laughs> it's okay. In in Texas, we had uh, a mom stick her kid in the trunk. You know, to, she didn't saw. want to, to drive through the testing site. She didn't. She didn't want to uh, catch the coof. <laughs>
3: Is that just, I mean, that, I never know, if it, is it like fear or is that just stupidity? Is that just some stupid moron who we shouldn't cover in the news?
1: Oh no, I, I think this is, uh, th- this is fear and the fear is uh, doing something wrong. There's an incredible shame element to what is taking place and that has part to do with also, I think um, people uh, are finding this is a great purpose for them in life, their job, their environment, may just not, they may not feel like they have purpose. Um, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to you know this, this type of uh, it's not really insanity, but the, the fear is that you catch it. And, I, and I've seen this from people who are double vaccinated, boosted, you catch it. And then it's your fault because you did something wrong, even though you did everything right. And it puts people in such a mental state of, oh, my God, I'm, I'm people look down on me. I feel so ashamed. And I've, I've heard this from friends of mine personally, who even really totally rational people who just felt that shame. Now, many of them break out of it. This is a beautiful moment when that happens, because then you start to look around and go, hold on a second. There's a lot of other things that are kind of weird. that's going on? I had tunnel vision. So it's, I believe that's fear of the shame of screwing up, which of course is ludicrous because you can't stop that from happening.
3: It's the fear of the shame of screwing up and also not my best
1: sentence structure.
3: (laughs) No, but I got you. But but I also think there's like they've settled into sanctimony in a lot of these pockets. They're enjoying feeling like they're better than the great unwashed masses. Mm,
1: No, I don't think so. I, I that. No, it feels like this just. Again, it's a purpose, you know, we're, we're in this horrible situation. We now know this, and we're not going back to the way it was, or at least that this is what we're being told. Um, you know, this is the new normal and it's, well, let's just, let's just call it out. We have world leaders at the moment. Um, three that I can, I can mention who are causing this. Uh, one is our own president, uh, Biden, who is saying this is a pan- consistently saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is demonstrably at this point not true. Um, you have uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau saying, "Hey, you know the un- the uh, people who aren't vaccinated, they're anti I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close. Um, they're anti-vaxers. Um, a lot of them are misogynists and racists. And then we have uh, uh, President Macron of, uh, of France saying, hey, I want to piss off the unvaccinated. Mm. So this is licensed. And this is just as coordinated as the build back better bull crap that we kept hearing about. It's a coordinated attack on your own citizens. And so it's kind of like a message. It's like a bugle call. Like, it's okay to do this. It's okay to to go after these people. And again, I think a lot of people um, are very fearful. They feel like it's a fight. Um, The only way out is to um, condemn the unvaccinated, they're to blame. Look, that's what the president says, um, and it gives them a real purpose. I don't think it's it's this. uh, I don't think it's anything else but that. It gives people purpose and fight, and and they actually are in their hearts doing the right thing.
3: Hmm. I definitely think that's a factor, but I mean, there's just been too much uh, sanctimony on the pages of the paper and in the on the on the television with people being so oh, disgusted that's, by that's, the unvaxxed yeah. that He's to immediate. me there there is a degree of sanctimony they think they're enjoying feeling like they're better than it's an extension of the deplorables and saying everybody who is you know supporter of president trump never mind it, at the capitol on january 6th is a terrorist and and to me it, nothing embodies it better than this this column by michael Hiltsek in the la times Hiltsick, that we've covered this Guy before. This is a guy who got in trouble. He got sp- suspended, he's, if I'm not mistaken. He's a troll. He's a known he's a troll. total troll. But he writes for the mm-hmm. LA Times and he's supposedly well respected. He's one of our elites. Don't you understand, Adam? And he went on, <laughs> he was going on to his own blog. He got in trouble and like posting comments onto his own blog. And then he'd go and he'd rip on conservatives on other people's blogs, but not under his real name because he doesn't have mm-hmm. the stones to do it. He was, so now he was he's finally, fired for it. Yeah. he And he, he was in serious trouble. And now he's finally found the stones to write under his real name. And I think he was right the first time. He should have stayed anonymous because this (laughs) morons piece in the L.A. Times uh, yesterday is basically defending, mocking the death of what he calls anti-vaxxers. OK, but you should be aware he is lumping in with anti-vaxxers. Not that that's OK, but he's lumping in people who are against vaccine mandates to your point of of ex- expanding the definition, right? Like it's not just people who don't like the vaxes it has to be people who are anti-mandate. They're bad too. And he and and he's not alone in this. Took aim at Kelly Earnby. Uh, this poor gal, I think she was 44 years old. She just died of COVID. She, they describe her as a prominent Orange County Republican deputy district attorney. And what was her sin? She advocated against vaccine mandates. Now we know, thanks to her husband, she was unvaxxed. We did not know that when all of the attacks launched against her. It was enough that she just was against mandates for all these newspapers to do articles about her death as though it told us something about society that that a lawyer who didn't believe in mandates had died of covid and somehow that meant something. What did it mean? She was wrong to oppose mandates. She should have imposed a mandate on herself. Like, what are you saying? The average 44 year old, even unvaccinated, has a very low risk of covid. They're going to be outliers. People understand that. And I believe the vaccines probably would have lessened her chances of death greatly. She chose not to get them. That's her choice. Now we know she didn't take the vax because her husband got online to Correct the terrible misinformation being put out there about her. Some people who are anti-vaccine are saying, "Oh, she died right after she got the vaccine." That's a lie. Some people who are um, who are pro-vaccine are um, saying she got she died because she was anti-mandate. Well, no, but I'm sure not getting the vaccine, which does prevent it, helps prevent severe disease and death in the case of COVID, w- was not a great thing for her. Well, it was her choice. So this guy. Hiltzik writes in his piece. All right, Adam, this is King Hiltzik. To begin with, let's stipulate that not all not all people who are unvaccinated against COVID are alike. Some have remained unvaccinated for legitimate medical reasons. They may be children for whom the COVID vaccines haven't yet been officially ruled safe or people with genuine medical reasons for avoiding the vaccine. Some may have legitimately faced obstacles in getting to a vaccination site and receiving the full series of shots before becoming exposed to the disease. Thank you, Sire. Thank you, for, Sire, for acknowledging some of the unvaxxed are still good people. But then he goes on. And the deaths of those victims, by the way, are truly lamentable. The truly lamentable ones. But now there's going to be a distinction drawn by, by king, the king here. Um, he says... It may be not a little ghoulish to celebrate or exult in the deaths of vaccine opponents, and it may be proper to express sympathy and solicitude to those they leave behind. But mockery is not necessarily the wrong reaction to those who publicly mocked anti-COVID measures and encouraged others to follow suit. So now just mocking any of Dr. Fauci's protocols entitles you to mockery upon your death. They, they can revel in your death uh, before they perished of the disease, the dangers of which they belittled. She didn't do that. She didn't like mandates. I don't so far. I haven't seen evidence that Kelly belittled the dangers of the disease, nor is it wrong. He continues to deny them our sympathy and solicitude again with a solicitude or to make sure it's known When their deaths are marked, that they had stood fast against measures that might have protected others from the fate they succumbed to themselves. There may be no other way to make sure that the lessons of these teachable moments are heard. What we need to do is shame the dead, unvaccinated Americans amongst us. This is sick.
1: Well, uh, this kind of proves my point, what we were talking about earlier. The, The sin of this poor woman was not for being against mandates or not accepting the vaccination into her life, her sin was she's a Republican. And let's go back and look at the source. The source, uh, as I said, a known troll, admitted he was fired for three years. Uh, The Times hired him back eventually. LA Times, I find, has problems in general. They've had intelligence assets who were reporting and writing for them, and they've been outed in recent years. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. But this guy uh, who has written several books, uh, I would say, with a globalist tint about how fantastic, you know, the robber barons uh, and how the railroads were built. But Mm -hmm. he's he's a a political uh, reporter. So he's doing exactly what his beat is. This is a political story. Um, It's uh, it's it's you could have many different people. You could use any examples you want. But, you know, he chooses this one uh, and it's and he takes it straight to. Politics throughout the article. And I don't think he's quite, neither am I, but he's not qualified to talk about the medical aspects of it. But half of the article is, you know, more facts and data, et cetera. And unfortunately, this, the real cynical part of this is is exactly what we're seeing unfold before our very eyes. He is following orders from his leaders. And in this case, let's just say it's the president, but I'm sure it goes all the way down. And this is the message the message is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We need to do everything we can to make that very, very clear. They are to blame, and it's a global rollout. So you'll see. And by the way, I speak fluent Dutch. I speak, you know, fluent uh, Flemish for the Belgium. Uh, I can get by a little bit in German, French. I lose it, but this is this this is happening everywhere. This is not just America. This um, some would call it othering is taking place everywhere, right in front of our eyes, and There's, you know, if you if you think about um, the psychosis of it all, there's 30 percent of people probably in every country who are all in and totally radical about it and are are out there fighting on social media and calling people out and, you know, getting people deplatformed. You know, it's a big game and a game always has purpose. Um, And uh, there's 30 percent who. Just completely aren't buying it and I think we belong to that group and in the middle is the forty percent and right now they're still leaning heavily towards the 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 previous uh, group but you know that's the fight is who are we swaying and 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 when will that power when will that power tip a little bit to the other side on the scales and I think because again it's all political certainly in the United States we're seeing now an interesting walk back we're seeing um, even uh, the very partisan governor of, uh, of New York, Hochul, uh talking about, well, you know, let's just let's just be fair about these numbers. There are people in the hospital um, and, you know, uh, who are there because of covid and just they were there and they were diagnosed with covid. So all these things are starting to unravel. Now we have this one of these mythical several experts are saying the administration is going backwards. This is you know, there's something going on here. Uh, even Walensky, who's tripping all over herself is is I, I saw ABC edit, edit a piece where she was talking about um, how many people had died who were vaccinated and actually something that enhanced her story about how safe vaccines, the vaccines are. Um, they cut that out. So there's something going on. And I think it's to, you know, really put all the blame on the President Biden Uh, And God knows what the what the strategy is after that.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, she she told ABC Rochelle Walensky, I believe that 75 percent of those who are vaccinated who died from covid had at least four comorbidities. So she was trying to make the point that um, if you get the vaccine, you have a very, very low chance of dying from covid. And those who did who got the vaccine and nonetheless died had multiple medical issues um you know that that contributed and and that is look i heard somebody make having this discussion the other day and i thought it was a good way of looking at the vaccine you know maybe it's a misnamed but it, it's it's almost like a therapeutic at this point you know it doesn't prevent you from getting covid but it's got a great chance of preventing you from dying uh, or suffering se- severe disease. Now we actually have pills and therapeutics you can take once you get diagnosed with COVID that will do that too. But they're kind of hard to get. You have to take them right after you've been diagnosed, you know, like early on in your COVID saga. So, mm, you know, can you, will you know, can you get there? The vaccines are more like, I got it and I've checked that box. But that's, that's all they do. They don't prevent the spread of COVID. Even the CDC is admitting that now with Omicron. It does make me wonder whether the shaming is going to stop now, Adam, you know, like whether do they do these people calm down because my not getting the vaccine doesn't affect you at all. It doesn't it doesn't make me spread it. By the way, I did get the vaccine, but it doesn't make me spread it. You know what I mean? The people around you who didn't get it, they're not spreading it any more than the people who did get it. It's their own medical decision. Yes, they may wind up in the hospital. Yes, they may, quote, take a bed Right. But so are the heavy people taking bets. So are the people who have diabetes taking bets and who may have brought it on from, you know, improper eating and so on. Diabetes, you know, induced by tons of sugar, whatever. My point is simply there, it, will it calm people down now that they know we're all spreading it triple vaxed, quadruple vaxed, or not vaxed?
1: No because the 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 powers that be will continue to push crisis because they do not want to rescind any emergency measures. The print the money printing press is, which is metaphorically speaking, is running uh, in overtime and ready to do more as soon as more legislation can get passed. Um, you know, we're already seeing maybe there's some new vo- version coming out of China. Xian is still locked down, but oh, now, maybe there's some hemorrhagic fever. is a part of that which is a completely different beast altogether um and you know when it comes to protection um and treatments you know the, the the uh the effectiveness of the pfizer pill uh is not all even by their own admission is not super great um the monoclonal antibodies, which uh, seems to be working very well, friends of mine have had it and, and it, it fixed them like really quickly, like two days. Um, those are being held back That many states don't have them at all. And I've seen, I've personally seen emails within uh, state health systems where they say, look, you know, the Biden administration is cutting back on this and they're rationing it, which is ridiculous because it's very easy to make. Um, we're cutting back on it. Uh, But, you know, there's this great alternative, which is the Pfizer pill, which the U.S. government also just spent $490 uh, billion uh, buying, uh, buying pills to hand out to everybody. You know, so it's just it's just a continuous thing. And and everyone who's close to the money is benefiting. So it doesn't Mm. behoove anyone and certainly not the media business who are captured by the pharmaceutical industry to just to, to give anyone any other impression you will be continuously nudged into a state of fear there's no letting up and it will be something new tomorrow if all of a sudden we all have the we all snap out of it which i don't see any evidence of
3: mm. i'm i'm interested i take your point and i agree with it uh, on imposing fear and continuing the fear and the people making big money off of this pandemic and pfizer's one of them no question but the all the data I have seen so far on that pill, their therapeutic, was very promising. It was saying it, it basically prevented death. I've seen so stats vaccines. anywhere between 90 and 100% in uh, 90 to 100% of the cases. Like, I, I haven't heard anybody, you know, taking issue with the effectiveness of the therapeutic, the Pfizer therapeutic. Uh,
1: I have, uh, but I'm not qualified to discuss it. Um, but I heard the same thing about the vaccinations. Well, the vaccines are, uh, do, are, they it, are
3: doing a good job preventing serious disease or
1: death. That wasn't what we were promised. We were literally promised you won't have to wear a mask. You won't get COVID. I mean, won't yeah, get it's watered down by now, but that was True. clearly the message.
3: Agreed. Even the president. I mean, President Biden said that in July. If you take the vaccines, the you will not yeah. get covid and by the way mm-hmm. that that didn't just become untrue with omicron it was also untrue with delta hello breakthrough infections that that term was coined under delta um and, th- and there's no accountability and they they continue to want us to tr- them. Just trust them. All right, stand by, Adam, because we have so much more to go over. More with the Podfather coming up, including uh, Senator Rand Paul once again taking on Dr. Fauci in the Senate, questioning just today over Fauci's emails, showing a coordinated campaign to take down the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. You know these guys, like Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who comes on the show all the time, and his two co-authors, Harvard, Stanford. No, they've got to go. They've got to be ruined and destroyed. We'll pick it up in just a minute. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm has saved over 1 billion dollars in back taxes for their clients and they can help you secure the best deal possible whether you owe 10,000 dollars or 10 million they can help you whether it's business or personal taxes even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all call 1-800-245-6000 for a private free consultation or visit tnusa.com/ Megan. Just for folks, we mentioned this last time you were on. We didn't actually play the clip. I'm sure you've seen it a million times. But just for folks who doubt uh, that you really were the Pod Father, are the Pod Father, and were recognized as such by even Steve Jobs, um, let's play the clip of Steve Jobs playing Adam's podcast back in 2005, beaming with pride over what you had managed to figure out how to do online.
1: Just if you were
0: to eventually get into selling paid audio stuff. Or well, I, you, could, you could try to sell podcasts, but the whole phenomenon is so great it's free. Okay. And I think what we're going to see is an advertising-supported model emerge just like free radio. Here's another one. Adam Curry is uh, one of the guys that invented podcasting. And uh, he has a podcast called The Daily Source. Let me go ahead and subscribe to that. And uh, we can go listen to his latest one. Just click on it. That's your daily source
1: code, show number
2: 180. (laughs)
1: I've actually had to restart the show three times. My Mac has been acting up like a motherfucker. I don't know what's going on. I think it's uh, something
2: to do with uh, the file system.
1: Okay.
0: uh, (laughs) How do
1: you you control, say, dirty stuff? I mean,
0: Uh, we're going to have an explicit flag on these like we do the music so you can know if it's explicit.
3: Awesome.
1: You know, what amazing. I like, you know what I like about that clip the most, Megan, hmm. is at the end, Kara Swisher, here's a re, here's something revolutionary. Steve is clearly line. jacked about it. And the first thing that comes to her mind is how do we keep the bad stuff away? How do we control it, Steve? It's so yeah. lame.
3: <laughs> but then she goes on to say, so you, you'll make it easier for me to find it. So she does it. She, she takes a hit at herself a little bit, mm-hmm. like, like she's going to be looking for the dirty stuff. Um, but I love that. I mean, you really were. And I, and I know you met with Steve Jobs and you saw this technology and said, hey, I have a great idea. When I look back at your background, Adam, it's like you were meant for that moment and for this. Like You you started broadcasting at a very young age in the Netherlands. Your parents let you lie about your age so you could get a job at a radio station, as I understand it. And then the next thing you knew, MTV was calling How did they even find you? Because weren't you still in the Netherlands when they called you?
1: Yeah. um, And and I confirm my career uh, or my hobbies really have always been broadcasting and uh, technology. And I've always been kind of a tinkerer. Um, So I had been, my my career went from building my own transmitter as a 13-year-old, having my mom drive around the block, see how far the signal went, um, to uh, the lying part was about, there was a hospital radio station, closed circuit. Uh, but it was very professional. So I was very excited. You had to be 16. I auditioned and I was 15. And they said, it's okay, mm-hmm. you can do that. It was, you know, uh, uh, it was just a uh, uh, volunteer work. But it, I mean, we had the key to the studio, so we could do a lot of stuff. And there I met um, a lot of people who were doing big pirate radio stations in Amsterdam, where at the time in this predominantly socialist country, um, they had government controlled radio, government controlled television, and they had a popular music station, which at that point was still kind of playing polka music. And meanwhile, the I'll pirate radio stations <laughs> were, were in Amsterdam and they were playing, you know, import records from Chicago warehouse and all kinds of cool stuff. And I just wanted to be on the radio and they had a big signal. And um, and then from there, um, I uh, eventually got on. Things changed very much uh, in the landscape politically and in the media landscape, some... Some uh, different groups were allowed to use the government airwaves. I got drafted into that. And then suddenly I was doing really the number one music television show in all of Europe. And that was called Countdown. That's where that picture of Mm -hmm. Tina Turner is from. That was still in the Netherlands um, because uh, Holland was seen as the gateway to Europe. So when you came into Holland, that's where you were going to do your distribution of your records. And there was this great show who had an American host who could speak some English and would let you either perform they could do live interviews you know uh music videos of course it was live which was crazy it was really intense like a you know uh, 12 camera live show uh for an hour and i was 19 when i started to do that wow um and at that time <clears throat> uh uh the european broadcasting union who puts on the eurovision song song contest every year Um, they uh, came out with um, Europa Television, which was a a pan-European satellite um, collaboration, and every country would um, uh, contribute some programming, and we contributed the music programming. So that now was all of a sudden on satellite all over Europe, and you had countries like Portugal who were dirt poor. I mean, there was nothing going on before all the big EU money, and they were rebroadcasting this on their government television station. So all of a sudden you had kids in Portugal who were watching Bon Jovi videos and they would send postcards and I'd read their postcards on television. They they were flipping out. They couldn't believe what was happening. This was just a crazy revolution. And MTV was trying to get MTV Europe launched. And I'm not quite sure, but someone saw me and they were refreshing the whole VJ lineup. I wasn't one of the originals, contrary to popular belief. But I came in right when they were going to basic cable, which meant 40 million households, a little more professional, which is, is funny because it wasn't. Mm. Um, and um, and they, they called me up, literally Steve Leeds, who works at Sirius, um, who was still one of my dear friends. He called up. I said, hey, uh, you want to come work for MTV? And I said, where? He said, New York. I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> when do you need me there? And, and I was gone within two, three months. I mean, it was fantastic.
3: Wow. Uh, we have a clip from back in the day. This is 1989. This is Headbangers Ball, right? This is this is from yep. your MTV days, uh, and captures the hair among other flavors <laughs> of the time. Watch it. Soundbite one.
2: Well, lock the door and tie the furniture down because we're about <laughs> to blow out three hours of nonstop metal. Tonight on The Ball, you'll get the world premiere of the new Wasp video forever free. This hour, it's music from Mr. Big, Queen's Queensryche, Blue Murder, and Vintage Metal with the Leopards photograph and Ozzy's Crazy Train. The Metal Detector checks out Blue Murder's new video, Jelly Roll, and the latest controversy surrounding the King Diamond camp.
3: Yo, that's amazing <laughs> that the jacket, yeah. the hair, the mm-hmm. swagger, right? There's a little swagger that kind of goes with it, too.
1: Well, it, w- it was kind of a cool show. And I don't know if you were a Headbangers Ball watch. Maybe you were more Club MTV or, you know, maybe uh, Alternative Nation. I was more Nation. like,
3: Holiday. Yeah, I was, yeah, okay. I was Club that younger
1: Right. I got you. Wubba, wubba, wubba. <laughs> um, the Headbangers Ball was kind of um, uh, a weird spot because most of the videos, which were heavily edited by MTV at the time, just had too much satanic messaging and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever creepy stuff. and. But at uh, after midnight Saturday, it was really three hours. Um, that's when a lot of stuff, you know, really the, the water, the the watershed moment had passed. So you could air a lot more of that. And they asked me to do it. And I've, I, I'm not really a super metal head, but I have always appreciated uh, the musicianship because uh, some of it is really, really outstanding. Many of the the metal performers and uh, even thrash metal are classically trained. just incredibly good. Um, And it turns out most of these guys are cool. And it's, it's all, of course, it's kind of an act, you know, in the, in the 70s, we put our disco glitter stuff on and the 80s, we had punk and ska and we had our skinny black ties and black and white stuff. So of course it it was part of the show. It was part of what it, what it was, but I have friendships still with a lot of these guys and, uh, and gals too, actually. And, and, you know, it was, it was a fun little niche that we had, which was very popular, um, in the country you know people love this what people really were listening to a much larger proportion than it got on air and that was all because again the basic cable the you know self-censorship of mtv there was a lot of stuff going on um so you know am i a full-on full-blown metalhead no but um i'd listen to uh there's a cool station here in uh, the hill country which is uh uh the rock of texas in Kerrville. Mm. And they still have, you know, they play all this stuff still. And they still have a morning show with, you know, they got the bell and all that oh, stuff. Nice. And it's, it's it's fantastic. And just crank that. And I, I can't help myself. I hear the songs like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is cool.
3: You know, I don't know a ton of musicians, but uh, a couple of the ones I do know are uh, a little bit more, you know, aggressive in their, their approach to rock or have been in the past, like Richie Sambora, who is also... On that flight, mm-hmm. and you interviewed to Moscow, um, mm-hmm. and Kid Rock, and I. What I've known, what I've noticed about these guys over the years is they are so sweet off camera. I mean, they have a wild <laughs> side for sure, uh, and they know how to entertain an audience. But like, just gentle, like gentle, fun, kind, sweet, loving. Especially Richie, my God, he is like the nicest human, or one of them I've had the pleasure of meeting, whose name is well known. You just. You wouldn't know it from most of the stuff you hear about him or reading the papers about him. Um, and I'm going to ask you who you feel that way about right after this break. That's what we call a tease, ladies and gentlemen. Adam Curry's coming back in one minute. Don't go away. So much more to go over. And don't forget, in the meantime, you can find The Megan Kelly Show live on Sirius XM Triumph Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. And the full video show and clips by subscribing to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash. Megan Kelly. Go there now and you can catch out, catch our monologues from uh, last week and this, which are doing really well. Uh, If you prefer an audio podcast, go ahead and subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you leave a comment under the Apple uh, sort of subscription under our show, I read them. There's, we're going on 22,000 now. They make me laugh. They make me cry. They've given me fun guest ideas. And uh, I would love to read your feedback on the shows or anything else. Check it out. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private, free consultation or visit TNUSA.com slash Megan. All right. Who is it? The person who behind the scenes, we would be shocked to realize how much different they are from their public profile.
1: Oh, Alice Cooper, I would say would be top of my list. Of course, it's all old people that I remember. Um, <laughs> Alice Cooper, man, what, what a, a mensch. He's just a super, super sweet, generous guy. And on stage, although over the years, you know, we've seen him more at celebrity golf tournaments, and we've kind of gotten the clue. Um, but I would say, yeah, that's uh the, the one I was disappointed in, because I, I did have a disappointment early in my career, there was one artist I was so excited to meet him and interview him, and that was Brian Adams, the Cougar from Vancouver. Uh, yeah. And he was the, the top of his game. You know, he did the, the duet with Tina Turner, and it was just, and he had the Summer of 69 was top of the charts. And maybe it was because he was on the road and, you know, stuff gets weird on the road, but I was so excited. And he was just so aloof and such a
3: dick. Oh my I'm God! Like, wow, Why do you man, I can't
1: believe it. It still to this day still bothers me.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. I had one of those with Bruce Willis one time, and I was like, "What do you? Well, why'd you? Why'd you come on here? Why? Why you sit for the interview if you're going to be this much of a prick?" Um, okay, a, Michael a nice Jackson. Story. Wait, oh, I sorry. want to hear that, but I also want to ask you about this because Michael Jackson, um, you mm-hmm. met and interviewed him, and and there's a clip of him next to you at the MTV Video Vanguard Awards in 1988. That I understand there's a, a cool story behind. We're going to play it. Listen.
2: Adam Curry here on Location in the Valley for an event that will go down in video (laughs) history, the the presentation of the Video Vanguard Artist of the Decade Award. Every year at the MTV Video Music Awards, we honor those artists whose work has left a lasting mark on the world of video. And we're here today to hand out the big one, the MTV Video Vanguard Artist of the Decade Award. And to call a recipient worthy is an understatement of epic proportion. Believe me, this guy really deserves it. Every single time we think we see him at his best, he just goes out and tops himself all over again. I'm talking, of course, about the one and only Michael Jackson. And I would like to let the president, head honcho, and chief executive officer take it over from here. Tom Preston. Go ahead, Tom. Thank you, Adam. So, on behalf of MTV and our audience, I'm thrilled to present you, the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with the award for MTV's Video Vanguard of the Decade. We can't wait to see what you have planned for us in the 90s. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: Very beautiful.
3: Thank you very, very much. <laughs> okay. The production value is a little, a little low on the decorating, but tell us there was something about him and his insecurity when it comes to his height in that clip.
1: Well, there was a couple of things about that. First of all, that is Adam Curry road hair when no one was there to help me. You can tell Sweet. it looks like crap. That was I really it
2: It's
1: like, it's not the, the Michael Jackson interview hair day. I was hoping for, <laughs> um, so MTV, as they as most media works, had done a deal with uh, with Michael's record company. And the deal was he had to perform on the Video Music Awards. And, um, and of course, he wanted the premiere, premiere of the video, et cetera. And uh, they came back and said, OK, that's fine. But then you have to give Michael uh, an award. And it needs to be an award with his name on it. So the technical name is the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award of the Year, mm. uh, which they kind of dropped, I think, once J-Lo got it. Um, and, and that had to be mentioned in every single segment. So okay. anyway, a part of that was, okay, we have to give this award. Tom Freston, the CEO, by the way, another lovely guy. I love Tom Freston. Um, uh, we, and, you know, they're like, okay, you got to fly out to LA and you got to do this award. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. My, my child is about to be born. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving New York. This could happen any day now. And this became a problem because Michael had said, no, I want Adam Curry to give it to me. Why? I don't know. But okay. I was of course honored. I said, but I love Michael, but no, no, because this is my first kid. I know what's going to happen. MTV wound up flying my then uh, mother-in-law in in on Concord from Europe (laughs) just in case I wasn't going to be there. Um, And then I whisked out to Los Angeles and it was really, it was in the MJJ studios. It was a really interesting experience and come in in the morning. And there must have been 30 kids there. And in the middle of these kids is Howie Mandel doing his whole Bobby world voice in, in, in real time. And I don't know what that was about, but I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. This is a great place for kids to hang out. <laughs> There's the Bobby's world voice. Um, and then we wait for, for uh, Michael to come in and we're all set up. We got the crew. Tom Freston's ready. Uh, Mike comes in and he stands in between us, as you saw in that shot. And then all of a sudden he calls, I think Bob was his name. his, his guy, big Bob comes over and, uh, and it's like a little whispering going on, Bob, hold on a second, everybody. Bob comes back with an apple crate. So Michael, who was not, I mean, I'm six, five, um, certainly at the time I may have shrunk a bit. Um, he's maybe six, six feet, six, one, but he needed to, to have that height. Otherwise he didn't feel comfortable. And then we had another stop. Because someone noticed that his pants weren't shiny enough, so they had to Windex them before we could continue. Um, but that so was, he was standing you know,
3: on an apple crate in that in that yeah, exchange, in that so shot, that he could look yeah. like he was
1: almost <laughs> Somewhere as tall. There's, there's video of it. You can actually see that he's standing on the apple crate. Yeah.
3: Oh my gosh, that's
1: I miss like, him though. I miss him. What a, what a guy. I, I know.
3: I know. He's in, like truly one of the most, if not the most, like talented performer we've had in in the world. It, it, certainly in my lifetime. Yeah um, you know, there's like only three whose names come to mind. I mean, it's funny because we just brushed past Tina and I just introduced Tina Turner's music to my daughter in particular yesterday. We, we, somebody drove by us with the license plate respect. And she was like, what's that? And I was like, it's from a song by Aretha Franklin. And she's like, well, who's that? And I said, Oh, let me play you the song. Let me, let's play some Aretha. So we did. And she loved it. She was rocking out. And I was like, now speaking of great songs that you don't know about, let's talk about Tina Turner, where I had just, performed one of her numbers via karaoke over our holidays, (laughs) our Christmas holidays. I'm embarrassed to tell you I attempted Proud Mary, Adam. Which one, Megan? Proud Mary. I did some Proud Mary, and uh, I did not do her proud or myself, but I tried. (laughs) (laughs) And um, there is nothing like you could listen to Tina's slow version. You could listen to Tina and Ike. Do the slow and then the fast version of proud mary you could listen to angela bassett uh you know mouthing the tina turner version and you know that performance that she did in in the movie about tina turner's life and all of that visually audio all of it makes you just want to get up dance and celebrate her and i was explaining to her and then later my boys about how there's not that many artists in the world especially in, in music business where it's just down to one name um she's yeah. absolutely one of them there's there's just no other there's tina
1: have you seen the documentary that is currently out of uh, Tina Turner's life?
3: Wait, there's a new one?
1: Oh, it may be old. Maybe I just hadn't seen it, but it's it's kind of her farewell documentary.
3: Oh, right. It's the last one? I haven't uh, seen it. No.
1: Oh, it's it's well worth watching. Um uh, I really adore Tina Turner. I had uh had a a lunch with her when she was over in Europe at the time and uh, this was when she was kind of, um, you know, she'd been, uh, she's married to a German guy, record guy, ex record guy. Uh, she was in Europe a lot. In fact, that's where most of her career, she made a lot of her, you know, her early days. They had to tour Europe with Ike, certainly. And um, she had this, it was the day of, you know, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. And she mm-hmm. kind of had this, I do not turn around, she had a bit of that accent that she had going on, if you recall. But then during this lunch, all of a sudden, oh, hello, Annie Mae Bullock. And she she was just totally, you know, she kind of let, let it all down for a moment there. It was really beautiful to watch. She's a very sweet lady. Very, very sweet.
3: Wow. I'm so jealous that you get to meet her. I can't believe she's 82 now. It's hard to believe, like, Tina Turner. The greatest was, like, every clip we pulled up of her, that incredible body, her legs, her ripped arms. Then you see Angela mm-hmm. Bassett, and it's like they couldn't have found somebody better to play her. You know, she, too, had the yeah. ripped body and the arms and captured her and the, the pizzazz. just makes you—it it, it makes me want to live my next life as Tina Turner's backup dancer and do it, Shake My Tail Feathers, baby. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private, free consultation or visit TNUSA.com slash Megan. Okay, so let's get back to something newsy just for a second, because it's kind of fun interweaving. Um, Rand Paul is is pommeling Dr. Fauci. It just ended on Capitol Hill. When these two Mm -hmm. go at it, ratings fly on cable news. Um, I'm going to start with my own bias on this. I truly believe Dr. Fauci should sit there and say, I understand. I understand. You know, he can defend himself mildly, but to, to attack Rand Paul undermines faith in the apolitical nature of his office. Right. We're supposed to all be on team Fauci. We're not. But his own partisanship and that of his CDC director as well, the CDC director undermines even further. Uh, our faith in our public health officials. So here uh, I'm going to show you one of the sound bites. They're arguing over everything. This is basically a, a hearing on top health experts testify regarding federal response to COVID variants. So they've pulled him uh, uh, in front of the Senate to talk about what we're doing. And um, this is an exchange in which, this is soundbite two. Dr. Fauci's accusing Rand Paul of distorting the truth and a back and forth that follows. Watch.
0: We are here at a committee to look at uh, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence let, over the response finish. to this than you have? Do you think it's a great success what's happened what? so far? Do you think you, the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And now 800,000 people have died. Do you think it's a a winning success, what you've advocated for government?
2: Hmm.
3: Uh, Fauci then went after Rand Paul and suggested that he's been getting death threats because of irresponsible rhetoric. And saying that Rand Paul has been fundraising off of his attacks on Fauci and did this sort of of long song and dance about how Rand is doing that. and Rand went back at him and so on and so forth. So what do you make of the dynamic? And I don't just have Fauci and we could show you some other clips too, where he just gets aggressive against Rand Paul, who's been aggressive against him, I, I admit, just don't know if it's appropriate in response.
1: Well, this is like an MMA fight. This is a, this is a, a, a cage match, and it's an ongoing one. It doesn't end with one match. And you know, first, I just need to address when both gentlemen are talking about 900,000 people have died from this. That's just patently false. And, mm. and, that, and those numbers, we, we all know that people have died, and they had COVID, but they didn't die from COVID. Yes. So that's just now, now been put. Even Rand Paul is doing it. Well, it's 800,000 no gentlemen neither people who really died from covid is much much lower but okay that's that's where we're at now with the political discourse what's going on here in my opinion is rand paul has the goods on dr fauci the goods are uh, with new information just coming out today uh, fauci lied the gain of research did happen it was subcontracted through peter dazik's company what's new is that this has a darpa element defense advanced research project agency it looks a lot like this is a bioweapon that was engineered. You can't do it in America. So they did it in China. They did it with with Chinese scientists, maybe with CCP. Um, what intent is unknown, but it's a very dangerous practice. And um, uh, and everyone's trying to cover up for this. And And Fauci knows what's going on and rand paul knows as well and fauci knows that rand paul knows and this is just a big uh, theater show to um uh to get public opinion swayed one way or the next because the information is coming out um and it, and it will be quite damning and i think that's that's all you're seeing so yeah you can throw it, it all's fair at this point throw it all in there I, every i watch c-span religiously all of these settings you're the one? All, most of the the questions are known beforehand. It's 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 a theater.
3: Well, let me just say this. Um, the, the information you just cited is from Project Veritas. It has not yet been confirmed. love James O'Keefe, but he does make mm-hmm. some factual mistakes from time to time. He also gets sure. a lot of things right. So just want to underscore for the audience. We have not confirmed that. Um, but it is confirmed at a minimum, at a minimum that what many scientists describe his gain of function research was absolutely not only being done in that lab but was being funded by us mm-hmm. fauci wiggles out based on the technical definition of, of gain of function um, that's right. how his that's how he attempts to wiggle out from having funded it uh, we clearly gave money to a group run by Peter Daszak that was doing something that the average scientist would call gain of function uh, fauci disputes it and moreover at a minimum as, jo- as Josh Rogan of the Washington Post has been pointing out there's no chance fauci can dis- the fact that we were funding research in a lab where the CCP was present, where there was a secret part of the lab, where there was a woman they called Bat Lady who did bat coronavirus research, including gain of function research. And we were looking we weren't looking closely enough at a minimum, at a minimum, best case scenario for us. We weren't supervising her or them or where our money was going. And now we have a virus that a lot of smart people say came from that lab. And those are the facts that we all have to deal with. So that, that's what's real. And Fauci can get mad at Rand Paul and he can get mad at the press. Uh, but the truth is, he hasn't been totally forthcoming about his role in any of it. And people are angry because we have a press that looks the other way at him. They, they don't seem very interested in finding out exactly how this thing originated, whether we funded any piece of it or helped it in any way, what Peter Daszak was doing with sure. our <laughs> money. And Fauci just sits back there acting indignant.
1: Well, um, the the press is in on it. In general, the media is captured. It's it's all a part of the same system. I, I don't I don't see any change. This is just more more for the game. You know, we throw this into social media. Everyone can get all outraged. Meanwhile, while this is happening, we're on the brink of a Cuban missile crisis situation with Russia. I think intentionally. I think we're doing it on purpose, and no one's looking at what's really happening. Which I think. Would even behoove our leaders to get people to be afraid of that, because that is truly terrifying.
3: It is actually disturbing um, what happened in Kazakhstan. And I realize the average person out there is like, where?
1: Because the news not reporting on it. That's why (laughs) no the average person doesn't know.
3: Don't you think most Americans, they they only have so much bandwidth for problems in their lives. It's like, you know, like they're having to deal with the masks and the vaccines and the work shortages and the supply chain and the inflation and their, you know, the job, all that. And it's like, Kazak, who, what? what's happening again. But it is important. I, I actually do want to get to that. Let me let me squeeze in a couple more points on COVID and then we'll turn to that because Putin is up to no good. And now he's getting help from countries that were formerly part of the Soviet bloc. And, and Putin would like it to be a Soviet bloc again. And what are we doing about it? And are we too weak to actually stand up to him? So that's where I'll take it with you. But before we get to that, um, one other thing, you know, Fauci was outed thanks to a FOIA request um as going after he and francis collins head of um the nih going after great barrington um, guys yeah the great barrington doctors really smart thoughtful earnest doctors from harvard stanford and oxford who just all they said was how about focused protection instead of lockdowns how about we focus on the most vulnerable and the elderly and we think about it that way and, instead of you know vaccine, mandating vaccines for children and uh, closing businesses that shouldn't close and so on. Well, they were totally villainized on camera, yes, but also behind the scenes by design by Fauci and Collins. And that came up today with Rand Paul. Here's soundbite one. A
0: planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies in his mind using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently, there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? in you usual did. fashion. Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you First ever object all, to Dr. Collins' characterization of them as friends? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not friends, They're esteemed scientists. And it would be beneath I, me. I did not to do that. Do... You responded to him that you would do it. Uh, and you immediately got an article uh, you, in Wired. You, you, and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got them. I nailed them in Wired of all scientific publications. That's not publications. What went on. You there you go again. That you was just your response. do the same thing every year. That was your response. And so, this, so, wasn't, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take You're down people, incorrect as usual, Senator, you know. are incorrect. Almost everything. You well, know. Said.
3: well, no, it's not. It's not incorrect because it's documented black and white. We we know it from Fauci's own emails back and forth with Collins.
1: Yep. well, um, I don't like Dr. Fauci and I haven't liked him since the 80s and 90s. I hold him. Deborah Birx, lieutenant commander, whatever her rank is, Deborah Birx, uh, Redfield, CDC. I hold them personally responsible for the death of several of my friends and acquaintances during the AIDS crisis. Mm. Uh, they did a go. Go read the Village Voice um, front page op-ed of how how angry the gay community was at Fauci and you know withholding treatments. It's all the same stuff. And then you know these just ignoring any other alternative form, uh, vilifying and, and just plain out lying. It's well documented. These guys have been doing this forever, and it's always the same answer. Vaccines, because you can make much more money treating people before they're sick.
3: Mm. Get get this, though. Get this, because now they've had to admit, Rochelle Walensky did admit, the vaccines don't stop the spread of COVID now. I mean, they OK, welcome to the party. We've known that, but she actually said it on camera. And mm-hmm. now The Washington Post is reporting that the CDC is considering updating its mask guidance, um, and it will likely, will likely advise people to opt for the highly protective N95 or KN95 <clears throat> masks worn by healthcare personnel if they can do so consistently, citing an official close to the deliberations. CDC guidance is expected to say that if people can, quote, tolerate wearing a KN95 or an N95 mask all day, you should. Now the sad thing about that, I hear. Okay, wiggle room. Great. I won't be doing that. The sad thing about it is, as the mother of three children, you've got schools who are going to take that and say N95s on your kids all day, N95s all day long. That our kids are barely making it through with the crappy cloth masks, and more and more we're seeing a push now for N95s as the only masks that count for grownups and children alike. I'm not doing that. I am not doing that.
1: Well, then you will be seen as other because that's the entire point. Uh, first of all, these N95s for children is just I, And anyone. You you know the, you have those uh, blood oxygen level meters you can hook up to your smartphone. Get one of those and then wear that N95 and you know run for five minutes and then see what your blood lo- your blood oxygen level is is like. It's pretty shocking. Um, but this is just uh, I'm I'm a believer in the. Uh, discredited theory um, by Reuters and Associated Press of mass formation. And this is a Mm -hmm. perfect thing, another solution that is being handed to the uh, people who are in a state of hypnosis, daze, confusion, extreme, extreme focus. It's clearly just another focal point that everybody gets. And I was like, okay, it's got to be N95. Where are the N95s? We're gonna have a severe shortage of N95 masks. This is coming. It's all gonna be there. We're freaking out. It can't leave. Don't have the N95. Oh, you're not wearing the N95. Stay away from me. This is incredibly destructive for society. And I think people, you know, you saw the hashtag CDC says pff, people are giving up on them. They know it's it's bullcrap. So they're losing mm-hmm. control of the narrative. And I think these are desperate moves to do anything they can to to try and keep people in the state of. Um, of obedience.
3: People are gonna start, okay, like, oh, so I can't I can't go see a Knicks game if I unless I have an N ninety five mask on my face. All right, I'll wear it. And then you like they're gonna poke a bunch of little holes in it. <laughs> like there's going to be people will find a way around all of this nonsense because there are things that we need to do that they're telling us we can't do unless we keep the damn masks on our face or we get vaccinated. Um and there's gonna have to be end arounds because the vaccines don't stop the spread of COVID and I don't think Americans have any more time with the masks on their face left in them. We're two years into this and they're talking about ramping them up instead of down.
1: Yeah, And, uh, and I don't think people will, will stand for it, but, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's just divisive, no matter no matter which way you look at it. And, and it's questionable as to if that's going to help. And what happened to herd immunity? Isn't this the one? Isn't like, okay, mm-hmm. it's kind of we're all kind of given up. We're all gonna get it, vaxxed or unvaxxed, and you know, most people will be okay. Isn't that the whole point? It's even mm-hmm. been analyzed and seen as uh having similar characteristics to an attenuated vaccine. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the one if you believe in the whole story of it, then this is the one that um that you wanna get to uh to have your immunity and to be done with it, which is also so-called natural immunity it's not recognized it's the science is all over the place we need to stand up i'm against the idea of poking holes in the mask just to you know to get around it no at a certain point um people have to stand up and say no we're just no just not going to do it and mm-hmm. i mean it, we have the same delta and omicron here that we have in australia in new zealand i presume i haven't heard otherwise look at the state of where those people are in some of the states in Australia. That and we just say, "Oh, that's crazy." Yeah, it's crazy, but it's happening. It's oh, the wait. same. Situ- it's the same virus. It's a different country. People are locked down. They can't work if they don't have if they're not vaccinated. I mean, this is not just America that we're talking about. This is a global scale.
3: So, speaking of which, uh, back in your home country—well, this is your home country—but you grew up <laughs> yes, in the Netherlands. You, thank you. Um, they're, the Dutch now are resorting to smashing cars to vent their frustration at the never-ending lockdowns. We actually have, uh, I think, the soundbite number eight. Let's
1: watch it. Twin brothers Steven and Brian Krieger are smashing up cars to let off steam. They are customers at Car Smash, a Dutch project near Amsterdam in the Netherlands. It aims to provide people in lockdown with ways of releasing their anger and frustration at the COVID epidemic. <laughs> There's nothing to do these days because
2: everything's closed. Uh, we can't work because we, we own a bar and we're closed. So uh, we thought we'd uh, let some of that frustration go and smash the car.
3: <laughs> so it's not, it's not like uh, out in the street illegal. It's, it's legal and they're, they've found an outlet for their anger.
1: Well, my my daughter lives in Rotterdam, um, and uh, she's uh, 31, and so I speak to her regularly. Um, You have to understand that this is the propaganda that is meant to get out and show how cute it all is. It's a disastrous situation. Mm. Um, These young people have been locked uh, locked in their houses. You can't be on the street with more than two people, can't go outside. They're still in a curfew situation, 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. They were really promised. Just get the va. They even had jingles and slogans, you know, get the vax and you'll be able to go out dancing again. It rhymes in Dutch. Um, and and they've been lied to, and now people are going out. And the video that you're not seeing on the news is of families going to museum plane, the museum square to say, Hey, we're not happy with this. And the cops letting dogs loose. They're shooting people, they're beating oh, wow. old people with sticks, beating them over the head. It's just insane. They've got undercover cops going in and then starting up crap and beating people again. Go! That's what you want to see. That's what we need to air. This is, this is pure propaganda. Just, oh, it's so cute. No, it's a real problem. Uh, my daughter knows more people who have committed suicide in her age group than have died from anything, vaxxed oh or unvaxxed.
3: Oh my God, this is a manipulation. I didn't actually did not realize that. My team just gave it to me as something that was kind okay. Of funny.
1: It's okay. I, um, I'll check your team later. Need to no, but I see your <laughs> I see
3: your I see your point exactly. So wait, you do you have a thirty one year old? She's a model, a daughter uh living living in the Netherlands right now?
1: She's a daughter first. Uh she's an entrepreneur, <laughs> she's- um, has done lots of stuff in show business. She has show business parents, so uh you know, she's doing music. She's, uh, you know, when times get tough, then she, uh, she actually stops. She can't do it anymore for her own conscience. She was doing fact checking for, uh, for Google and Facebook, which is hilarious. She can't oh, tell boy. me about it. And I can't tell you because, you know, confidentiality, but it's hilarious to see who's fact checking everybody these days. Um, mm-hmm. But she's, she's hanging in there. She has a great, a great boyfriend and uh, they're doing okay. Uh, but I can't even fly them over here. You know, he can't, enter uh, the United States as a non-citizen, non-immigrant without being fully vaccinated and boosted. Thank you, President Biden.
3: Yeah, no, he has to sneak across the southern border. uh, And that's really the only way. Uh, Sadly,
1: sadly, it's a joke, but it's an easier way to get in.
3: Mm -hmm. No, it's exactly right. I mean, he had a window to fly out of Afghanistan uh, without being vaccinated. Nobody would have asked questions, but that's that's gone now. We're no longer helping people there. So it's really just down to Mexico. Uh, Tell him good luck. I am disturbed by that report. I mean, we've seen it in Australia. I did not realize in Amsterdam it's quite that bad. And the question is whether it's going to get that bad here with restrictions that are perhaps less severe than, you know, a 12 hour curfew and not leaving your house after 5 p.m. and so on, just because I think the American spirit is free. It's freedoms in our blood. I mean, it's the reason our country was founded. And to me, it's been shocking that we've been and we've been as compliant as we have and I do think it's a positive sign that even some of these liberals now have had it because they realize they're going to get it. Omicron's coming for all of us and they need to calm down because you can't, we can't go on like this. Uh, all right. I'm going to pause it there. I'm going to pay a bill. And then I, w- I do want to talk about what's happening with Vladimir Putin uh, and why he's doing this now. What what about Joe Biden? Are we actually going to stand up to him? Don't bet on it. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible whether you owe $10,000 or 10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private free consultation or visit TNUSA.com slash Megan. So before we get to more serious matters, I got to ask you about a couple of lighter fare items, including I'm dying, dying to see the Janet Jackson documentary. They they released the long trailer. And I got to say, like, oh, whatever. I don't really care about celebrity. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> that was my experience. We for people who haven't seen the promo, it's long. We cut we siphoned it down. But here's just a little snippet.
1: My father was very strict. He was in charge of my life, my career. My father said, You're gonna sing.
2: I wanna be the one in control.
1: I think I have to start
2: being independent.
1: The most important thing was for her to take that stage and own it.
2: No one knew I've got to take you.
1: It's just a that no one has ever seen. It. Oh my goodness! Seeing Janet as a mother warms my heart.
2: Who are you closest to in the family? Randy. (laughs) And Mike. Mother, how do you feel talking about Mike? I can't. Did the allegations affect you career-wise?
1: Yeah. Guilty by association. Guess that's what they call it, right? They build you up and then once you get there,
3: they're so quick to tear you down. Oh, I'm Jack. I'm dying to see that, you know, all these folks. I mean, you know, what do you make of it? We've talked a little bit the last time about our feelings on Michael Jackson, the allegations against him. What do you make of the fact that Janet's now apparently going to speak to it going to ask the mother about it and is going to sort of take control and try to tell her version of her life story?
1: yeah, I wouldn't get too excited about any great revelations from this obvious promotional piece that uh, that is being put out. I guess she has something a record coming out. Mm-hmm. This to me, um, I know I, just looking at that footage, I recognize a lot of it. I know who licenses it. There's a lot of uh, documentary. I'm even showing up in with MTV bits and stuff from the old days that I know who, who owns those that footage. Um, the streaming companies are out of ideas, Megan. They got nothing better to do than put together documentary after documentary that is involved in some kind of promotion for another entertainment product. Um, I'm not as excited as you that anything great will come out of it. I like Mm -hmm. Janet Jackson, bigger fan of Latoya. I thought she was more real and certainly funnier. Um, (laughs) She's like a real trip. Um, So, yeah, I'm not I'm not all that jazzed. Uh, I I don't want to be disappointed. And I I like Honestly, I, I see that very separate from Michael.
3: Hmm. Okay, big buzzkill. Thank you for that. Um, sorry. But- <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no love good. fest on that. Dose of reality is always welcome. It's about a- to get
1: worse on Kazakhstan. To-
3: two hours that I that I didn't have you just uh, saved me and before <laughs> we get to that though I want to pick up on something you said about the streaming companies out of ideas um, my pal Barry Weiss forwarded me her sub stack from today and it's just hitting now but it's got a long piece by two writers in Hollywood lamenting the wokeification of Hollywood and how you cannot get hired if you're a white man forget it um, mm. and how now something like 40 to 50 percent of films and uh, all sort of projects made by certain companies are going to have to be made by, quote, unquote, BIPOC, you know, black, indigenous people of color. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you don't fall within one of those, you cannot get hired. And the headline of the piece was this is all going to end in a massive class action. And uh, right, because it's still illegal to discriminate based on race in this country, even if the person you're discriminating against is white. And um, they talk about how what's going to happen now. We've already seen it is basically every film gets the creativity squeezed out of it. And it's all about some woke, sad story, some sob story. Bill Maher was lamenting it not long ago. And what how large is the commercial audience for that? And and what will what when, if any time, will the young people rebel against it saying this is not this does not reflect the world in which we live. This reflects some weird, far left, 10 percent woke liberal world. And we reject the product.
1: Well, uh, I think the rejection is already taking place. We're seeing that um, manifest itself in award shows. Um, the celebrities are no longer the influences of the world and they have no influence. And no one seems to care looking at the ratings. It's so bad that the Hollywood foreign, you know, we have too many award shows. So the Hollywood foreign press, uh, they had to go so whatever scandal oh, we're not even going to air that but really follow the money i mean uh the streaming companies and let's just talk specifically about netflix just to make it easy that's a ponzi scheme you know netflix will spend i think 60 billion dollars on content this year this coming year amazon studios will spend 30 billion dollars on content they're never going to make that money back it's just you continuously and look at netflix they continuously raise money and you know, then they've got a hit and then the stock goes up and everybody's winning, but they can never, in my opinion, really repay all the billions, <laughs> hundreds of billions of dollars that I think they 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 uh, they now have on their balance sheet. So you just have to keep going. But, you know, you can only do so much. So to let the steam off, well, you just got to create some stuff. We have to have more than just the latest, you know, um, Hollywood based, uh, you know, like don't look up, which is a good example. There's a typical example of the investors in the Ponzi scheme, the investors in in many of the streaming companies, certainly not all um, demanding that that their money get used for environmental social governance, which is the only investable companies these days. Thank you. to think uh, at BlackRock that mm-hmm. so you can't get money, you can't raise money without strings attached and those strings sadly, are, um, are, are, are tied to uh, woke, wokeness, uh, and climate change. That seems to be the main two things. And that's a, a clear mission and narrative uh, from, from much bigger, uh, much bigger uh, groups or, or higher-up groups than we're talking about Hollywood themselves. So um, that's, that's why it's happening, and whether people accept it, yeah, then stop paying for Netflix. I mean, this is the this is the great thing, and America's been pretty good about that historically. Like, just leave Chase. I left Chase. I'm now at a at a, a community bank in Texas. Leave leave these dumb companies. You don't need them. You can wear other nice sneakers. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we just have to get over ourselves at a certain point.
3: Yeah. Uh, The fascinating story of the downfall of the Globes is worth your time. I listened to a long podcast on it the other day about how corrupt they were and how you could basically buy a Golden Globe. So it really Mm -hmm. wasn't worth much to begin with, which I didn't know. And then went through how, you know, they tried to wokeify the Hollywood foreign press and they hired 40 percent BIPOC and there's 29 percent, but then more women and so on. And it still wasn't good enough. Now they want at least 50. It's like there's no, there's no woke that's going to satisfy the woke. And I don't know whether the Golden Globes will ever come back, nor do I care even a little. Um, I do think everybody should pay attention, though, to what's happening. I realize Kazakhstan is like where... Listen, what's happening is Putin is flexing his muscle over these countries that used to be part of the Soviet Union, and he would like to recreate the Soviet bloc again. And what happened in Kazakhstan was we had protesters in the streets because of these high energy prices and more authoritarian rule. And the, the people took to the streets to protest it. That was what we were told. And 146 of them were killed, or shot um, by their leaders including a four-year-old girl. And they managed to make this happen by calling in their pal, the big muscle, Putin, who sent troops and backed up the leader there and is now more in control of Kazakhstan than ever before, a region that we've been looking at, that the Chinese have been looking at, that we certainly don't want to see folded back into the Soviet bloc-type situation. And we are weaker than ever to do anything about it why do you, why are you watching it? And why, what do you think people should know about it?
1: Um, well, I could not disagree with what you just said anymore. That is the narrative that we are told to believe. And the reason I'm watching it is when you have 80 year olds and I'm not ageist, but when you have 80 year olds, <laughs> he said saying, but, uh, running the government and the show, you're going to get the baggage of 80 year olds. And most of the people, uh, who are running the show, uh, right up to the president, um, they have a real hard on for uh, Russia, and it stems from the 60s and from JFK and the Cuban missile crisis. And just briefly, the Cuban missile crisis was in our history books as well. Russia put uh, nuclear weapons aimed at America and Cuba. We had to stop that. We almost all died. What they forget to say is that the U.S. had put missiles in Turkey, which is only just, you know, six or seven minutes away from Moscow. We are now in exactly the same situation. We've put missiles in Turkey. Russia didn't like that. Um, the, uh, uh, the Russia says, Putin says, I don't want you encroaching on us. You can't put missiles in, um, uh, in Ukraine. And Ukraine, I don't know if you followed that at the time. That was, in my opinion, a, a government takeover and overthrow. I mean, this is where Hunter Biden comes in. This is where Victoria Newland comes in. We were there, the exact same scenario, all of a sudden, outrage overnight. We call it a color revolution. We had the Maidan where security forces were shooting at citizens. In fact, as many security forces were killed by other rogue actors. I believe what is happening here is that the distraction was, oh, my God, Ukraine, 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 Ukraine. Don't do that, Russia, where Russia, in my opinion, was just there to make sure the U.S. didn't put any missiles in Ukraine. And then we started the crap over in Kazakhstan, clear on the other side of Russia, if you look at the map, has the largest border with Russia and China. And this is very strategic because we have now disrupted a key part of the Chinese Belt and Road strategy, which would extend a railroad through from China into Russia, into Europe. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. politics at a grand, grand scale. And I believe the U.S. tried to kick off a revolution under the guise of Oh, yeah. Uh, liquid petroleum gas rose uh, doubled overnight. I think this there's someone inside this administration who is playing very dangerous games. And it's a mirror. It is a mirror of uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and what you just how you introduced it is indeed what we're told to believe. And I fundamentally disagree with it.
3: Well, I don't I don't rule out that the United States fomented those protests. I mean, we we have done that historically in the past uh, or some force did. Uh, but I don't think it changes the fact that Putin has strategic interests in taking over in that region. And it's and it's not just Kazakhstan and it senses weakness at the head of the United States government. And but I think Kazakhstan we'll become is already more a
1: partner. Kazakhstan is a partner. All of their space, uh, all of their launches happen in Kazakhstan. Uh, you know, Kazakhstan is, is is very important to Russia. It's not, I don't think it's really a takeover. Um, quite the opposite. Not, what not happened, yet. What's going. Not yet. But, but why? Why would he take it over? He has, he has no no benefit Putin to that. He's looking
3: I, to expand his interests and control uh, in, wow, in oh what Megan, is just, the former Soviet, yeah. SWAT, Soviet bloc. Yes, he is. He absolutely Maybe, is, Adam. That that is a fact. I
1: I so disagree with that. He wants he wants to protect his warm water port uh, in Crimea. I understand that part. Global politics is a lot of different things at play. And I can't step easily over the maybe we had something to do with. Who are we? Who are we? This is the stuff that people are waking up to. We do this stuff a lot and it's not healthy for the world. Uh, And to continuously just say, oh, it's just Putin is just that guy. I am very skeptical about that opinion.
3: Well, but that's not what I said.
1: Okay, you said Putin wants to expand, and and therefore we I, are. I said we, we may have had go- we
3: may have had a hand in stirring up the protests. I mean, we have done that in the past. That's well known. But to deny that Putin has strategic interests in the region and is acting on them, I think is. I don't. I don't play defense for Putin. I mean, I've interviewed the man three times. I understand how he operates. Um, but th- we have to be realistic about what his interests are and what his goals are. And and the fall of the Soviet Union was one of the worst things that ever happened in his eyes.
1: Well, th- uh, you know him. I don't know him personally. I, I just don't see the I what I see is a, a strengthening between Russia and China. And when we are definitely responsible for that with our attitude, Mm -hmm. none of this seems like a very friendly way to go about things. And it is important to know what happened in Kazakhstan, because you are suggesting at at least that uh, Putin wants to expand. It would behoove his interest to do that. There's just not really any evidence that he needed to do that or that or that has happened. You know, the government has not been replaced. Uh, It's there's something still intact. So, well, the government know, called re-
3: him and asked him for help. But there are right. some who doubt even. So that. how is that? How is
1: how, how well, is that him expanding? Mm-hmm.
3: Let me finish. Um, there are some who doubt even that, who suggest that was not a willing phone call, that that was Putin basically making sure he got the call, exercising his muscle to make sure that the relationship is tighter than ever and that his influence in Kazakhstan is greater than ever and that they're more dependent on Russia than ever before in the past 30 years.
1: Uh, I can only call it as I see it. I just fundamentally disagree that this was a Putin move. This was some, some other influence. And uh, and I suspect uh, the current State Department being, having a heavy hand in it. Uh, there's all kinds of shenanigans going on. And keep your eye on Victoria mm-hmm. Uh When she pops up, then you'll know really what's going on.
3: Mm-hmm. Um- All right. Listen, I I have to end it there because we're out of time, but I love it. I think we've covered the gamut. We went we did we did headbangers. We did (laughs) Ozzy. We did Michael. We did Rand and Fauci. And we ended on Putin. I mean, that's a show, man. That is why they call you the pod father. One of the many reasons. (laughs) Great to have you, Adam.
1: Thank you, Megan. And I really appreciate what you're doing with podcasting. It's highly appreciated.
3: Ah, thank you. I hope we talk again. Tomorrow, we are going to take a deep dive into climate change, a fair and balanced debate you will get nowhere else. See you then. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.
0: A new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.